Local Radio for Portsmouth. And here we are just after seven o'clock. Welcome to it as always. Hello back to what's been going on across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire for the last seven days. This is expressed this week. And this is Chris Pierce. Thanks for your company on this chilly evening. Local news reviews is what we do for the next couple of hours from now until 9 o'clock tonight, as we always do at this time. And at 10 past 7 tonight, uh, we're in conversation with Kevin Casey. Kevin's the acting chairman of the Friends of Stokes Bay in Gosports. It's been sort of uh, highlighted this week. They're going to receive special status. We'll find out more about the Friends of Stokes Bay with Kevin, who's the acting chairman there. And more about that special status too uh, in about 10 minutes or so here on the show tonight. So we'll catch up with Kevin then. At uh, 7.25, in conversation with Zoe Wakefield. Now, Zoe is the chair of the Hampshire Police Federation. We'll find out how uh, Hampshire police officers are coping through this uh, current pandemic. And policing in general, uh, in difficult times in 2021, having to cope with uh, coronavirus and, of course, those that flout out the law as well. So we'll catch up with Zoe. She's here uh, later with us at 7.25 for a chat about that and more. 7.45, uh, we're in conversation with Councillor Patricia Stallard from Hampshire County Council. Now, she's the Executive Lead Member of Children's Services and Young People. And they're sponsoring community projects and helping those families in need in the Hampshire area, which we're talking, of course, Fairman Gospel, Haven't, Hayley Nine, Waterlooville, Lee Park, all around there. So we'll catch up with Councillor Patricia Stallard uh, later about that at 7.45 here on the show tonight. Later, ten past eight, uh, we're in conversation with Alex Gordon. Now, Alex is from Wessex Archaeology. You might have seen about the discovery of Portsmouth's past coastline, if you like. We'll find out more about that with Alex. He's here later in about an hour's time uh, at uh, ten past eight. About the historic sea walls there, of course, at South Sea, which is all part of this South Sea coastal scheme that's going on. Uh, so we'll catch up about about that and Wessex archaeology at ten past eight tonight. And our profile guest this week on the show from Portsmouth area talking news. It's Chris Golding. You'll find out more about the organisation, how they've coped, of course, during this pandemic, service they provide, who they help. Find out all about that and some of the history behind the organisation too. Chris Golding is our profile guest tonight, so we'll hear two of his songs as well. And he's here with us uh, at about 8.25 tonight here. Action-packed programme for you again this week here on Express This Week. Hi to Maureen, she's in Waterlooville. Tuned in as always, so is Dave out there. On his Alexis posh thing. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for tuning in here on this uh, soggy evening, of course. And wherever you happen to be across the earth, Jerry's in Fairham tonight. Hi to Jerry. Pete's in Gosport too. Kev's in Gosport. Well, big Kev, we like to call him. He's there as well. Don't know Gosport. Stay with the town itself. The Friends of Stokes Bay. Uh, and to tell us more about special status for the area, uh, Acting Chairman Kevin Casey is on the line with us now. Kevin, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. How are you? All right. Not so bad. Yourself? Yeah, keeping well. I've kept away from this virus, luckily. Thank the Lord. It's, it's awful, isn't it? Um, I have my injection, to, well, my vaccine tomorrow. 
Oh, well, good luck with that. Um, I'm sure you'll be fine. Uh, I know some people have already had it, um, which um, and they're fine. So fingers yeah. crossed, Kevin. Uh, that goes well for you. Uh, yet, uh, Friends of Stokes Bay, I mean, tell us a little bit about the organisation, first of all, Kevin. Well, it was formed about 48 years ago to preserve and look after the, uh, the you know, Stokes Bay for future generations, to keep it the beautiful area it is. I mean, it's an unusual strip of land or seafront, seaside, compared to other areas. It's basically undeveloped. There's wild lands. You've got Stanley Park coming off that's got some ancient woodland in it. You've got such a variety there. There In the shingle shore, you have plants that, uh, are not in many parts of the country and in fact survive there better than most other areas there. I always thought they were weeds and I've soon got uh, sorted out on that one and told that they're uh, actually quite rare wildflowers. Two of them are, are, have got um, uh, are under the designation of uh, uh, to be protected. Yes. So yeah, it's a it's a lovely area, beautiful area. It's for all generations. It is. It's a lovely part and of the world. An incredible history. It has. I mean, tell us a little bit about the history of it all, uh, Kevin. Well, we're, if anybody wants to know, well, I mean, I could spend hours on that, and I know I only have a few minutes. <laughs> but if you want to know the history, we have a website now that's going from strength to strength, and there's so much history on there. If your children are uh, bored and don't know what to do in lockdown, tell them to go on there, and what they'll learn not just about the history, about the flora, fauna, and the reason Stokes Bay is a jewel in Gosport's crown. Uh, it's an excellent set, but the history is you've got, it was the one area that the French could land troops, so when they built all the forts around Portsmouth Harbour on Gosport, they built the Stokes Bay lines, or the defences there. It was uh, five gun batteries and a moat system, so if the French did land troops, we could repel them because that was the back door into Portsmouth Harbour. And that's where I'm involved again as the director of the Dive Museum. We have number two battery, which is the the, the, the most still intact one today. It is a fantastic area. You're quite lucky because you're, you're juggling all sorts of hats, but with St- the Friends of Stokes Bay and what you've done with the uh, Diving Museum actually fits in quite nicely, isn't it? Oh, it does, yeah. And I mean, I mean I've been on the committee, the lady that started it, all these years ago, happened to be my next-door neighbour, and when I moved alongside her 30 years ago, she, only within the next first two years, she cornered me and got me onto the committee, and it's grown from that. My wife's a secretary. Um, one dream has always been to for it to become a conservation area, but that's not an easy task. Uh, the council did look into it a few years ago, but it was very difficult. But what's happened is Gosport was given heritage um, action zone status by uh, um, Historic England. And that in that, there's about 12 off the top of my head um, projects that they, of, of historical value that they want to develop and work on. And this heritage action zone goes for five years. And one of these is turning Stokes Bay or giving a designation of conservation area. So uh, the the plan was open to the public to make comment. That closed on, on the 31st of January to see what the public thought, what they what they liked about it, what they thought was important about it, how they used it, the historical, because these are the facts that m- m- 
will allow the Secretary of State to decide whether it justifies it. So then the money that Historic England's put into this covered the cost of, a, of consultants to take on board the project to, re, to produce the report that will be handed to Gosport Borough Council and then on to Historic England and the Secretary of State. That's in the process of being written up now. And I'm very proud to say that they used the Friends of Stokes Bay resources, i.e. the website and a lot of publications that we have produced. And from those, they actually wrote to us and complimented us and said we, there was more information than they required. So they're putting that together. That will then... That could get delayed because of the elections coming. And there's a thing called PERDA. Yes. In other words, councillors can't do things, certain things, for six weeks before the election. So that could delay it. So the election's the 6th of May. We would expect then the report to be presented to the next regulatory board, that's the planning board, after the 6th of May. Then if it's passed and accepted then it will be sent to the Secretary of State, and the Secretary of State then will decide whether, uh, you know, depending on the recommendation that goes in, it will be, he will just, or he or she will decide, the Secretary of State's a female, isn't she, um, <laughs> will decide whether it um, warrants the uh, being uh, turned into a conservation area. Yeah. So I would say by late this year, maybe autumn, we might have a conservation area designation, which would be fantastic to help preserve such a lovely area. Wouldn't it, Josh? And certainly sort of give another shot in the arm, as it were, uh, for Gosport as well as a town. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always the nickname it's got. It's a Julian's Gosport's crown. And, and during lockdown, the, all these three lockdowns, um, it's the one area. Well, there's two areas in Gosport where people can go out walk, get fresh air, a bit of exercise and still socially distance and Stokes Bay and the other valleys the two, but Stokes Bay you walk down, and I mean, I'm not from here I'm from Australia, I but I've tell. always loved this this bay because yeah. when you, I, before this I lived in Scotland, in Aberdeen when you look out to sea, you look at the horizon here, you look at the Isle of Wight and there's so much going on I've always said 12 months of the year, no matter what the weather is, there'll be something on the water out there. It's just fantastic. And when I used to come home, as I worked overseas for many years, I'd catch the flight into Heathrow, taxi down, and then they've come around the corner onto the bay. I just said, I'm home, and it's beautiful. And the sun shines. It's just the most lovely area. Great sunsets, sunrises. I walk there every morning of the week with my wife at 6 o'clock in the morning, some mm. of the sunrises. It's just a beautiful area. Is it and that's coming from an Aussie. That yeah, grew I was going to say, sunshine. is it better than Australia in some ways? Ooh, that's a hard one. Uh, I'm happy you here. You are? I'm married to a, a, a British lady yeah. from Northern Ireland. I've got grandchildren here now. So it is my home. I love it. I, Fantastic. I, yeah, I'm, I, this, this is where I'll finish my life, I think. I love it here in Gosport. Bless you. Yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know. Kevin, good luck with this. It's fingers crossed. Well deserved, I think, in one of the sort of the jewels in the crown, certainly in this area. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it's, uh, it's an asset space. to even it's to Portsmouth people in, yeah. in the Ensolence livery, but there's something special here. There's wildlife on it. I've seen deer. I've had a deer run down our road to come off the beach. <laughs> really? Off the beach. When we first walked our dogs, there used to be rabbits here. Now they're down in Browndown. But there's all sorts of wildlife here. Yeah. Birds. It was beautiful. 
Can't knock it. You can't knock it too Special dry. birds and that, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Kevin, good luck with it. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's good to talk to you and catch up Thank with you. Thank you for giving um, me the time. It's a pleasure, sir. And uh, good luck to the friends as well. Of, uh, yeah, South I Spain. appreciate Fantastic you uh, giving us the time, Chris. It's a pleasure. Kevin, Bye. look after yourself, mate. Stay safe. Good luck tomorrow. Take care. Kevin Casey there, acting chairman there from the Friends of Stokes Bay. You can find out more about uh, Friends of Stokes Bay. Do go on their website. And just type in Friends of Stokes Bay and the website there will give you all the details you need to know. Hey, Express this week. Thanks, you company. The week's news and news from now until 9 o'clock tonight. Into you in Emsworth tonight, Hayley Nines, North Louisville, Havens, Lee Park, Rollercross, Portsmouth, Rollercross, Fairmont, Gospel as well. Thanks to your company. Great to have you along. Where you happen to be tonight? Uh, turn our attentions to, uh, of course, this uh, current COVID situation we finally uh, currently find ourselves in and the effect, of course, it's having on policing in these sort of tough times, as it were, at the moment. Uh, the chair of Hampshire Police Federation joins me online now. That's uh, Zoe. She's on the line here with us. Zoe, good evening to you. Good evening. How are you, Oid? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, how's things? How are you coping with all this? Because it's it's tough times, you know, certainly for uh, for our police officers. Yes, it is. It is tough, and um, obviously, it's been quite tough for you know for almost a year now. Um, we're obviously having to continue to do all our normal police work. Um, plus, on top of that, we're obviously having to um, learn all the new legislation around um, you know all the COVID restrictions, and then. In, obviously enforce them as well um whilst obviously um you know we've got lots of officers that have vulnerable members of their family that they're also worrying about they're also struggling with homeschooling yeah. you know as are a lot of parents so it's yeah it's really difficult time yeah who would have thought would be in this situation it's it's awful isn't it hopefully there's there's an end in sight but i mean how did i mean with, with the rules changing all the time really don't they they, I mean, they change from one day probably to the next uh, trying to keep up with, with legislation that changes it, it's difficult yeah really difficult i mean in normal circumstances when there's a train change in legislation um we normally have lots of training beforehand um and we're notified about it you know months in advance but obviously you know some of the um coronavirus legislation we found about it found out about it on the day it's been enacted you know the day it's come in um so it's been really difficult i mean this even during this five five week lockdown period the legislation has changed during this period as well so Officers are constantly having to refresh themselves and remember what the current rules are. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. Now, the current rules as they stand, Zoe, what are they at the moment? What can we, can't we do? Um, well, it's, it's, it's as the government says, isn't it? It's, it's stay at home, um, only go out if it's essential, obviously, um, you know, exercise, but, you know, try and keep that local. Um, and obviously the main one is the, the gatherings, and that's the one that's probably causing us um the the most um the most issues in force is people having house parties and stuff like that which are clearly you know not allowed at all you shouldn't be having anybody around your house unless they're you know part of your support bubble mm. um so you know it's those large gatherings that are the ones that are, you know the house parties and stuff that are the ones that are causing the real problems yeah yeah and it's getting that clarity isn't it as you said there it's all confusing and, and having to adapt it as you say very quickly as well confusing for your officers yeah, it's it's confusing, but you know they're they're, they're doing an amazing job, and, yeah. and you know, and keeping themselves, um, you know, um, and they don't have to enforce all the time either. So you know, if there is some grey areas, isn't there around 
for example, exercising yes. what is local, what isn't. You know, we, we have the power to use our discretion and we have the power to just educate pe- the public and, and give them, you know, appropriate advice. But obviously, when there are clear breaches, then we are obviously going to enforce. And, you know, when you, you look at the death toll, um, you know, recently, we need to we need to come down harder on those people that are going to continue to ignore the rules because otherwise we're never going to get out of this. No, uh, and that fingers crossed that there, as I said, you know, that hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel on all this. Um, I mean, there's people we're finding that um, because they're not, they don't like being locked down and things like that. As you said, you've mentioned there, of course, people were having house parties, which is a beggar's belief, really, doesn't it, in this situation? But I mean, there's mm-hmm. still people going out there and assaulting police officers. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, the locals, the latest stats we looked at, I think on average three officers a day in Hampshire are assaulted um, and, you know, people are using, you know, they're, they're using um, COVID as a weapon. You know, they're, they're saying they're infected with COVID and then they're spitting officers, they're biting officers. Um, and it's, it, it, it's vile and disgusting normally, you know, to spit in somebody's, you know, in somebody's face. Yes. But to do it when you know you're infected with um, the virus is, is just, dangerous isn't it yes it's just it, it could be very dangerous to either that police officer or you know if they've got like i said before vulnerable family mm. um you know it could have really serious consequences is it a major problem in this area are we you know is things not as bad as it is in some parts of the country obviously the bigger cities london birmingham manchester obviously the general level of violence is higher so it, you know it's higher but it, it to be honest it's it's bad enough here. It's three three assaults a day is too many, isn't it? Um, yes. um, any assaults on police officers is too many. So um, yeah, I I wouldn't have said that it's 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 out of control or anything, but it's still something that we're really concerned about and something that we're trying to, you know, do do everything that we can to um, to tackle. And you're quite keen on making sure that police officers, because they are front line, probably more than the rest of us, uh, they're on the front line when things happen, uh, particularly, you know, they've been spat at uh, or, you know, whatever they have in house parties and things like that. Um, the police are there to, to uphold the law. Uh, and you're very sort of passionate about making sure police officers have the vaccine. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, you know, we... I've got no no issues whatsoever with obviously NHS and care workers and stuff being given that priority. That is absolutely the, the right thing, and obviously the most vulnerable in society also should be um, should be vaccinated. But yeah, we really want the you know the government to look at you know to look at police officers and look at the role that we're playing because we can go into maybe a dozen houses during one shift. Um, we don't want to be super spreaders. You know, I can't remember was it one in five people are asymptomatic, possibly carrying the virus. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to be those people that are one minute dealing with a house party, breaking up people that are that are unnecessarily mixing and possibly spreading the virus. And then, you know, half an hour later, we could be going visiting a vic- um, an elderly victim of crime, you know, and we are doing our best to obviously maintain social distancing and wearing our personal protective equipment, but we can't always do that when, no. you know, when somebody's being violent or somebody's... Uh, you know, a risk to themselves or others, then we obviously have to go hands-on um, and, you know, to in order to do our job. Um, and, yeah, we, we we want to be vaccinated so that we can help protect the public um, and, 
you know, and not be those super spreaders. No. Are we any closer to finding out, you know, if you're going to be sort of moved up the list? Are we any closer to finding out now? Uh, we've been told mid-February we'll find out. Right, OK. So perhaps, you know, the, the government are, are listening uh, and perhaps may change their mind. Fingers crossed then, because obviously, you know, you're in the thick of it, really. And, uh, yeah, uh, it certainly yeah. needs to... Yeah, and, and we're not talking about, you know, those police officers that work in offices or the senior management that work, you know, that are in offices. We're talking about the, the frontline police absolutely. officers that are out on the street, yeah, you know. Every day. Yeah, absolutely. Zoe, I mean, aside from that, there's, the government's been talking about an increase in, in police officer numbers anyway. Uh, w- what's your thoughts on that? Is that a positive step in the right direction? Certainly for around here. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a positive step. I mean, Hampshire is one of the lowest funded forces per population. You know, we've got the fewest number of officers, I think, per, you know, per population um, compared to other forces. And... Um, you know, our, our bosses manage the finances extremely well. But, um, you know, over the austerity cuts, we lost so many officers. And, you know, this recruitment now is brilliant. Because we, well, because Hampshire's a big county to cover anyway, Zoe, isn't it? You know, getting lots of trained um, for them to be out on the streets, actually um, being able to do the job. Yeah, yeah. And Hampshire's a big county, so it needs, you know, you can't spread your, yourselves too thin, obviously. No, and obviously the old white. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, the, I mean, the obviously the, the first few intakes is obviously a couple of officers here, there, and everywhere. So it's going to be a while before um, the public really see that that increase in officers on the streets, um, because obviously they'll be they'll be spread across the force, and they obviously have to go through all their training first. So fingers crossed that, uh, you know, bears fruits as we go further forward. Zoe, thanks for coming on tonight. It's good to talk to you um, because you do an amazing job uh, protecting us all. Um, It's just sadly the minority who uh, sort of um, don't behave themselves and let the side down, really, as it were. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for all the hard work that you do and uh, keeping us safe in Hampshire. Great to talk to you, Zoe. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much. You take care. Cheers. Keep safe. Bye. Bye, Zoe. Bye-bye. Zoe Weekville there uh, from the chair of the Hampshire Police Federation having a chat with us here on Express this week. Thanks, Lee Company. Local news reviews. Uh, this is what we do every Thursday and Sunday night from 7.30 to 9 o'clock. I'm going to have a little chimwag off air, actually, to my next guest, Council Patricia, Patricia Stallard uh, from Hampshire County Council, who joins me on the line now. Patricia, good evening to you. How are you? Oh, good evening, Chris. Uh, I have to say you're a little bit faint. Oh, am I? Oh, there you go. How's that? Is that better? A tiny bit better. A tiny can you bit hear better. me all right? Yeah. Oh, I can hear you loud and clear. So perhaps okay, it's something to do with the line from, from, from here to, to where you are there. Uh, Patricia, thanks for coming on. Good to talk to you. Um, I mean, tell us about this uh, this Hampshire Families in Need project, because this is a good idea. Oh, it's an amazing project. It really is. And I'm so pleased that you've invited me along today so that I can tell people about it, because it's really important that people are able to access the support that's there and available for them. It all started, uh, Chris, last December when Hampshire County Council received a grant um, from the Department for Work and Pensions. And we received a grant of just under three million pounds, which is, you know, in anybody's language, is a significant sum of money. But that grant was designed to particularly help um, vulnerable children and families who are experiencing hardship because of the coronavirus pandemic. 
and uh, we launched off last December with uh, free school meal vouchers for all uh, children who were eligible for free school meals during the last Christmas holidays and again for this coming February half-term holiday. Um, and each child who is eligible for a free school meal will receive a £15 voucher per child per week. So that means that all those vulnerable children and those children who would normally uh, get the free school meals, they will be looked after during the holiday period. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about more about what the grant schemes are offering. Well, yeah, because there's all sorts going on, isn't there? Because you've got the single parent support and advice service as well, haven't you? Oh, there are lots and lots and lots of things I could talk about uh, with you, Chris. <laughs> There's a lot, isn't there? At I mean... the end of the session, I will give um, a web page address. So if any of your Fantastic. listeners think they might be interested in any of it, it might be advisable for them to get a, a pen and paper to hand so that they can scribble it down. Lovely. OK, so get a pen and piece of paper and uh, we'll give you the details very shortly uh, for that. But, I mean, I'm just reading here, uh, UK Harvest is another one too, isn't it? Yes, um, We've got lots of organisations that, that are applying to us for community grants. Now, those community grants, the submissions, the applications can be put in by charities, by perhaps local pubs or cafes who have got uh, commercial kitchens who feel that they might want to cook meals for children uh, during the half-term holiday. Um, We've also got community grants coming in for organisations who want to provide activities for vulnerable children and eligible children during the school holidays. And one of those is um, in Havant. We've got a scheme going there in the holiday period for 80 families. Um, and we've got another scheme going in, um, uh, in Havant again, uh, and that's for 500 free spaces for eligible children to enjoy activities during the holidays and of course as part of those activities during the holidays if they are eligible for free school meals then they will continue to receive a hot meal during the day free of charge that's nice that's something definitely what we need at the moment don't we with all this uh, going on and particularly having an east hampshire mind as well financial support for that Yes, I recently, uh, I think it was last week, uh, I awarded them a grant of over £9,000, almost £10,000 for their activities. Um, I do suggest to parents that um, in the first instance they uh, visit the website, which I will give out later, because there are so many levels of support available to people. Um, I've given the uh, Citizens Advice Bureau £100,000, and that money is to be spent helping those families um, who are experiencing difficulty paying their heating bills. But also, we offer through the Citizens Advice on the same scheme, we offer those families who do not have um, cooking facilities, we offer them the support of having a, a free slow cooker. We can get those delivered to families so that they can supply hot meals to the children. That's fantastic, isn't it? It, it is quite yeah. amazing. It really is. Yeah. And I can't speak too highly of the team at the County Council who have worked almost 24-7 around the clock to get this out. I mean, for example, in terms of the free school meals for children in Hampshire, and I'm talking about Hampshire, I'm not talking about the city of Portsmouth or Southampton, but for those uh, people who live within the administrative county of Hampshire, 
we've got over over 27,000 families whose children are eligible for free school meals and we have given out I think about 94,000 free school meal vouchers so far and we're still doing it. So that's quite a lot, isn't it, really? And that's good going, uh, to be honest, but despite what's happening. Money is tight as well, uh, with yeah. people you know, losing their jobs and things like that. So it's. Uh... I would also like to draw to listeners' attention something which is called a community pantry. We are setting up community pantries across the, the county of Hampshire. And uh, for those people who live in Lee in Havant, there's a community pantry being set up in Lee Park at Park Community School. Um, For those people who live in the Waterlooville area, there's a community pantry being set up in Waterlooville at Mill Hill Children's Centre in Mill Road, Waterlooville. And there's another one being set up in Wickham, Wickham Community Centre for people who live there. There are other community centres and other areas which have got community pantries in them. But for the full list, people need to go on to look at the web page. A community pantry is not the same as a food bank. I was going to ask that, yeah. Okay. Um, Well, a community pantry is a slightly different idea. It's a kind of a membership. You pay a very small membership fee. Um, I'll use the example of, say, £5, and you pay that per week. But when you go and do your shopping there, you get goods which are much more valuable than the sum that you've paid. So, for example, if your membership fee is £5, and it might not be as much as that, it might be £2, you will be able to buy goods much cheaper and you'll get, say, £15 worth of goods in return. OK, that's a good idea, isn't it? Well, we've pump-primed these these community pantries, and they are opening up on a daily basis. Uh, we are pump-priming them, and they are being funded until the end of March. And then after that, we hope they're going to be uh, self-sustaining so that they can remain in place to help local families. What a good idea. That's a fabulous idea, isn't it? Yeah, totally fabulous idea. Brilliant stuff. And uh, again, as you said, people can find out more about this uh, on the website. All the details are there, aren't they, there, Patricia? Yes. Um, the web page. We've got. A, there's a web page address I can give you, and also an email address I okay. can give you. Okay. Yes, please. Um, the web page is www. And then it's all in lowercase. Connect. C o double n e c t. Then the number four, the number four, and then the word communities.org. Fabulous. And they can find all the details there and apply for these particular... Loads of details there. There is lots and lots and lots of support out there. I really want to reassure families who are struggling. Perhaps they've been furloughed from their job or perhaps Mm. they've lost their employment altogether and they're really anxious or stressed or concerned. Help is available. We've also given all the local uh, state schools in Hampshire, and there are over 500 of those, uh, we've given the local state schools in Hampshire what we call a discretionary grant. That is a small sum of money which the schools can spend at their own discretion. And we've done that because we know that schools and teachers 
know their pupils better than we do. They know their local community better than we do. So that if a head teacher or a teacher sees a family in distress or believes a family is in distress, they can immediately help out. They have the funding to help out. So if a family is not sure about going online or is not sure about making an email, it might be appropriate for them to make to have a conversation with their school first to see what the school can do. And this is all fantastic, Patricia, particularly when we're talking with the you know, budgets being squeezed. Uh, I know with, within Hampshire, uh, you've had a meeting this week to discuss raising council tax and things like that. So that's yeah. going to be a worry for some people too, isn't it? Yes, these are very worrying times for many, many people. Yeah. Um, but my priority with my particular portfolio, which is for children and young, fam- young people, my, uh, my concern is that we look after our young people, mm-hmm. especially the vulnerable ones, especially those who are on free school meals, that they are well fed, looked after and warm and comfortable. Especially the weather, it's going to be uh, very chilly, I think. Well, next, yes, it's going back to what we were saying week. earlier or before the programme started, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I also give out the email address? Please do, yes, because if people do want to get in touch, they can uh, certainly email you. Yep. Right, it's, again, it's all in lowercase, connect, and then the number four, communities, at hants, H-A-N-T-S, dot, gov gov.uk and if they send in an email and they say maybe I'm not sure if I if I qualify for anything what do you think where should I go who should I talk to they will get a response fantastic and you can then sign post them to to the correct place I'd imagine absolutely yes certainly correct project there is help available for people who are eligible for the help yeah they are people of course who are a bit uh, they're not charity do they there's still those people out there well that's why I think um the uh the the pantries the community pantries are so are are such a good idea because you're not walking into a food bank you're actually walking into an organisation of which you are a member. You pay a small membership fee every, every week. But you can get a lot more money, a lot more shopping for your money. So it will go further. Go further, yeah. yeah. So people are able to retain their self-respect and dignity, and that's really important. Yeah. So, yeah, do take up the offer uh, if it's out there and uh, certainly use it as well, which is a good idea. And again, just to recap, Patricia, for people perhaps who, who missed the uh, the website address again, please please do give it a game. Right. It's um, www.connect, that's C-O-N-N-E-C-T, the number four, communities, C-O-N-N-U-N, I-T-I-E-S dot org. So it reads as um, org, And on those web pages, you will find pages and pages of uh, organizations and support mechanisms to help you. Fantastic. It's a good idea too, uh, and certainly worthwhile uh, getting involved in it and applying for it too, if you find yourselves in it. Chris, uh, I think the, the exciting thing about this is that this is funding up to and including the 31st of March. Um, 
Now, we have been advised by central government that further funding will be on its way. Now, I can't tell you yet how much that funding will be or the details of how it will be spent or distributed, but it does mean that uh, we will have some mechanism for covering the children in the Easter holidays and the summer holidays. So it's well worth getting involved in it, isn't it? So, you know, we'll keep in touch. Well, certainly will. It's lovely to come back to you. Uh, Patricia, thanks for coming on tonight. I do appreciate it. Good luck with it, and uh, we'll talk soon. OK, we'll come back to you in future weeks on the programme. Perhaps we get near Easter as well and uh, have another yeah. recap there. Patricia, okay, then, Chris. thank you for that. You keep My safe. Pleasure. Stay Bye-bye. warm. Bye-bye, lovely. Let's talk about historic sea walls, which have been uncovered uh, in South Sea. Uh, to talk more about that from Wessex Archaeology uh, is uh, Alex Gordon. He's on the line with us now. Alex, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on tonight. Staying safe, yeah. I hope so. Oh, yeah. Sorry? <laughs> you staying safe? I am, yes. Good yes, stuff. Very much so. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to see. I, like to uh, I mean, tell us about these historic sea walls, because this is quite a find, wasn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, like, it's, um, it's one of these things where we, we, we sort of anticipated it might have been there, but didn't expect it to survive so well. So what happened is that we were down on site um, doing some archaeological recording as part of the ongoing South Sea Coastal Defence Scheme. Um, and then over the course of a weekend, the, the sea comes in, as it does, in a storm surge and washed away um, some bits of the beach that had been exposed, and there was this wonderfully preserved um, historic seawall there, which was um, amazing, to be honest. So yep. there, there was there was a lot of phone calls going around on first thing on Monday morning, and then we started having a proper look at it. Fantastic! I mean, look at the pictures. To me, it looks like a. a it's just like old steps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it does. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 there is old steps. There are yeah. there is old steps. I mean, basically, what we what we got there is a is a stretch of wall, and it was quite a long stretch of wall, and it's probably sort of like dating back to the late sixteen hundreds. So you've got a stretch of wall, which is probably originally a revetment wall or foundation wall, and then the bits that you can see on the photo with the steps is like originally a slipway or a stepway that would have come up from the beach yeah. onto the historic defences. So how do you tell, that, you know, that, that? how do you know it's from that sort of period, that sort of era? Well, I mean, basically, what, what we were very lucky that in Portsmouth, because it's got this hugely long history of, like, you know, with the Navy and sea defence and the military and this kind of thing, is that there were some very good plans that were drawn up um, in the mid-1700s um, by, by a guy called, I've got to pronounce this right, uh, Day, Day Moret, um, who was a sort of structural engineer at the time. And he, he drew these plans up of the coastal defences of Portsmouth that had been built in the late 1600s by a Dutch engineer um, called Gom. And on these plans, we can get a rough idea of what, is corresponds with what you can see that's there today, like the long curtain moat by next next to Clarence um, Pier car park, but also what may be actually underneath the beach. So we so we we look when this this wall was exposed. The first thing we did was look at the plans and we go, ah, hang on, this corresponds exactly with a line and a little jetty slipway, which is shown on these these maps dating back to 1750. So straight away we thought, well, there you go. That's probably it but then we took some mortar samples 
from the wall and rushed them back to our head office and some colleagues of mine had a very quick look at them and we concluded that they were because they were lime based mortar they probably do date to that period so straight away we were were thinking yeah this is what we've got here we've got this kind of um late 1600s wall basically quite an exciting find yeah absolutely It, it is very much i mean like i mean for one thing it's amazing that it's survived so well i mean it's been battered by the sea for you know, for, for you know, four hundred fifty years or basically, you know, I mean, it was underneath um, some later revetments that had been put down there. But then, when the revetments were broken out as part of the construction works, and then the sea came and washed away the beach. But uh, yeah, it was it, it's great. I mean, it's an amazing find. It's, it's remarkably well preserved, and um, and it's nice to get something which not only you can tie back to what's on an actual plan, but you know, this it's, it's kind of, it's a piece of like kind of Portsmouth naval history that no one's seen in you know hundreds of years basically it's great you know it's it's amazing and you know brilliant yeah we we were very excited by it yeah. <laughs> very oh, excited. absolutely <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh i mean are, are there any more finds is there, is there any more sort of mm. exhibition you know uh things you're looking at in this area yeah 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 basically what it is is that as part of the um this wider so um south sea coastal yeah scheme that's being built uh we at wessex archaeology are kind of because we wrote the original the uh, the overarching sort of management and mitigation strategy for archaeology and heritage and so we are tied into a whole series of ongoing works and excavations that is going to go on and on and on basically and uh, we we've already been doing some recording down on that seafront already and we found some stuff underneath a plain field wow um just north of the clarence again some more these structural remains yes. we found some bankers marks on the lower bits of the wall which are these masons marks which are these, you know, the, these are marks made by the masons who built the original wall down there so yeah there's some absolutely amazing stuff coming out of there there really is and it's all going to tie in together to the history of the you know defense of the ports yeah. is brilliant oh, yeah. so will it be eventually like a, a story as such yeah. yeah 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 i think i mean i mean we'll we'll obviously we what we'll do is it will produce a report basically but i'm hoping that there'll be opportunities mm. for sort of like some kind of like talks or be able to sort of like maybe tie into some sort of interpretive material when the new promenades are built and everything i mean it, it, there's all sorts of things that we could do i mean it's i mean i mean nowadays i mean you, you can do sort of whole web pages can't you basically yes. which show all the sort of photos and information and stuff so so yeah hopefully you know we'll be um we'll be able to sort of publicize this um really nicely yeah you know, it, it just gives what, another story to it doesn't it yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I've sort of, you know, Portsmouth has got this tradition of, you know, sort of like sea defence and navy going back to, you know, Henry VIII and around that time. And this is just another bit of that story, and it's still going on. I mean, I think, you know, top of my head, I think Portsmouth is one of the oldest continuing naval ports in the world but still a naval port, you know, and it's such an important sort of part of Portsmouth's heritage. So, yeah, we're, you know, very happy to be a part of it and discovering, you know, new bits, really. Yeah, and the Blockhouse Fort was always a part of that on the other side of the uh, harbour. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all part of these kind of, like, defences. I mean, I mean, you had the the sort of defences that were built by, you know, in the sort of Tudor period, sort of Henry VIII, as I said before, you know, because he was like, I need to defend my my important ships against, you know, well, the French and things like that, you know. Um, and then 
as the years went on and, and ports have continued to be an important naval port. So all these defences were remodelled and made better. And um, this is why I mentioned the, the, the guy, De Gom, who came along and rebuilt all the original Tudor defences in stone and really, really built up these fortifications. And it was all part of that, you know, it's all part of that, this kind of, you know, building up to make, to make ports with a heavily defended port. You know, if, if if anyone came and knocked him, basically, so it's fantastic. Good good mm. stuff as well. Well, look, Alex, it's uh, it's good. If people want to find out more about the work that mm. you do with Wessex Archaeology, that they can go onto the website. I take it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like uh, uh, Wessex has got a got, got a great web page. So um, yeah, and I, I think I think my contact details are on there. So like, um, but if not, yeah, just just get in contact with Wessex, and if anyone wants to find out more. It'd be great. Fantastic. Alex, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on tonight. Fascinating no stuff, actually. All, it might yeah. seem boring to some people, but actually there's a lot of history, certainly around here. Uh, which there is, is especially, which is good. And, and we'll be finding more and more of it as, as we go along. Well, so, perhaps we can know. come back to you, mate, and uh, have a yeah, further chat yeah. uh, as weeks Absolutely, go on. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, love, stay love safe. We, thanks for coming on tonight, Alex. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers, Look Chris. after yourself. Bye-bye, mate. Alex Gordon there from Wessex Psychology, and if you want to find out more about that, as Alex said there, just jump onto their website and you can find all the details you need to know. Yeah, local news reviews is what we do every Thursday and Sunday nights from 7 to 9 o'clock. Look back to what's been going on uh, across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. And we feature local organisations too. (laughs) We never a cup of tea, for goodness sake. It's available. Welcome to our profile guest night here on the show from the Portsmouth area talking news. Chris Golding, he joins me on the line now. Good evening to you, Chris. How are you? Good evening to you, Chris. I'm very well. And yourself? Not so bad at all. Not so bad at all. Thanks for asking. Uh, It's great to get you on. Uh, First time as well. So it's nice to talk to you in Portsmouth area talking news. Uh, I mean, tell our listeners, because there might be people out there who are not au fait with what you do. Well, we... Shall I go back to the beginning, very, very briefly? Yeah, please do, because of how it all started as well. Yes, well, it started in uh, 1973, um, uh, as I've learned over recent years. <clears throat> and was one of the, uh, it was one of the first talking newses in southern England. Um, there was a, a government initiative um, to set up organisations for visually impaired people uh, to access audio versions of local news reports. And um, people from the Portsmouth News and other people got together and uh, launched Portsmouth Area Talking News. And I believe they started by using the old hospital radio studios at uh, what was the Royal Portsmouth Hospital, which is now Sainsbury's, which, with a certain irony, is <laughs> just, just, uh, just closed. I've passed there today and your signs are down, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> yes, it's quite sad, really. Um, and when um, Sainsbury's was built, I think that was... I think that opened in 1979, and... The PATN of that particular era then went to Queen Alexandra Hospital and used their studios when they weren't being used. And then following that, uh, PATN uh, moved to its own purpose-built studio in Stubbington Avenue. And since then, we've left there through no fault of our own. And... um, 
well, a couple of other locations. <laughs> and we now record from our own homes, oh, well. principally because of um, coronavirus. Yeah, so you've moved around a bit. <laughs> we have moved around a bit, yes. So it's, it's, what was it, 40, 48 years, 47, 48 years? It's, it's, you're very good. Yeah. It's actually, yes, it um, was, uh, we had our 40th in 20, where are we? Uh, 20, golly, uh, 2013. <laughs> a test for you. <laughs> 2013. And then, yeah. uh, golly, I don't want to think about it, but no, it'll be no. our 50th. Not that I've been involved with it for 50 years. No, indeed but, not. Um, it'll be our 50th um, in, uh, in two years' time. Wow. Look at that. I see I was working out my own age from, from the age of the organisation. That's how I got to that, uh, Chris, but we'll move on. <laughs> it's a big one for me next year, but we'll leave it there. But, I mean, I mean, since then, the whole purpose really is, as you said, reporting local news uh, for those who are visually impaired in the area. What, I mean, what sort of area, we're talking Portsmouth area, but what is that area we're, we're it's, sort of talking it's about? It's pretty flexible. Um, we get listeners, uh, Fairham Gosport, uh, we even get people who have moved. Uh, we even get people in Scotland, you know, who have connections with Portsmouth. So there's no... It's 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 news from the Portsmouth area, but um, available to anybody who's interested. In fact, we do have a, a listener in Australia. Oh, well. Okay. Unfortunately, the... Um, the wallets that uh, we send out, we send out the, don't come back very frequently. <laughs> I can't think why. I can't think <laughs> why. I mean, with all the sort of the, the latest technology, that must have been a bit difficult for you, anyway. Uh, yes. So, sorry, what technology? Didn't quite get well, that. Well, going from, you know, I, I guess, day that when you first started out, it started on cassettes and things like that. Indeed, yes, yes, cassettes, actually. Who would have thought cassettes? <laughs> yeah, well, in fact, I, I suppose, really, if it hadn't been for cassettes, the whole thing couldn't have yeah. um, got off the ground anyway, because had it been the old, real, the very old, reel-to-reel, to, reel to reel, yes. um, that simply couldn't have gone out. But um, sticks, um, as far as I've been able to research, lasted for about 30 years. And then there was a change in 2008 to the um, very convenient memory sticks. It's very, it's very clinical, though, don't you think, Chris? Say it again. It's very clinical, isn't it? The old flash drives, the old the USB yes, sticks. Yeah, yes. yeah. As opposed to good old. Cassette. We are moving on from USBs, though. Right. Um, we're going. Well, we we are broadcasts are available from our website. Right. And we're also um, aiming to get all our stuff on Amazon Alexa. And similar platforms. Uh, we had a six-month trial run, which was pretty successful. Uh, we're now negotiating to find the best way forward to get a permanent um, uh, audience through Alexa. Even Google, perhaps, you know, it, can't, it, it can really be quite limitless. Yes, yes. So, in fact, um, you've adapted quite well with, with all this going on, too. Uh, what, with, what, with COVID? yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, some some TNs, talking news is of um, because they've well, like, uh, you know, it's purely accidental because they haven't had the moves that we've had to um, endure. Um, it's 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 um, given us plenty of uh, <laughs> training and preparation for this. Oddly enough, for this particular terrible thing we're going through at the moment. Um, but many talking newses uh, 
who have had fixed studios haven't been able to adapt very quickly, so they've had to suspend their operations. But we've simply carried on because we've already been um, preparing recordings from home anyway for the last two or three years, simply because we've had to. So we've actually been um, sort of... We've had one leg up by pure chance. Yeah, yeah. So actually it's worked out quite well for you. Oddly, yes. Yeah, in a funny sort of sense. Now, I mean, uh, with uh, volunteers, because you're all volunteers, aren't you, that run this? Totally, yeah. yes. Nobody claims any expenses. Nobody has claimed any expenses. And um, uh, the only expenses are simply the expenses of um, recording and um, admin and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. How do you get the news? That's, that's one sort of question I guess people are going to be asking. How do you source and decide what goes on to, to the flash drive, to the tapes, to, to the websites and what have you? Well, from the very beginning, uh, there was an arrangement with the Portsmouth News that uh, we use their news. Um, and really any news source which is available, um, we seek permission, obviously, um, and then we use we use that. There we we have a um, team in Petersfield, um, which are well, they're really autonomous. Uh, they send us their recordings and we put them out on our website. We um, also put them out on sticks, um, but uh, they get their information from the Petersfield Post and uh, any other new sources they have in Petersfield, which works rather well. Wow. So you, it's quite an area that you cover, isn't it? Because Petersfield's right on the edge, I'd imagine, of the patch. Yes. Um, we sort of uh, are... We, we, we don't have any control over Petersfield. We simply uh, oblige by doing their recordings, by um, putting out their recordings. But fundamentally, we're um, Portsmouth, well, Portsmouth yeah. area. But yeah. I mean, you can <laughs> you can interpret area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's quite vast, really. And as you, as you wish. But in fact, um, Fairport, which is another talking news, yeah. Fair, which cover Fairham and Gosport, uh, they came out of Portsmouth News because I think um, Portsmouth area talking news was finding that uh, covering too much news was getting a bit too much for people at the time. So they split into Fairport, covering Fairham and Gosport, and also split into Haven't, which are still going. Oh, wow. So actually, you were the masterminds, as it were, um, for the successes of the, the, the other two, then? It seems to be, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, she's going quite well, and what have you. Yeah? Yep. And it's, it's, uh, we, we have some very satisfied customers. Fantastic. Well, I look, think. Let's pause there, I hope. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Chris, let's pause there. Let's get a bit of music on. And okay. I think this is quite apt, really, isn't it? Um, Mike Oldfield and Portsmouth. But t- tell us why you particularly chose this bit of music. Mike Oldfield, yes. Well, it's, it's simply because it's called Portsmouth. Um, and I do remember the album. I'm not sure whether it came from Tubular Bells or not. But um, I still got my copy of Tubular Bells, um, which was released in the 1970s. Yeah. I think it was Richard Richard Virgin, Richard Branson's. But I think it was his first record on the Virgin. I think it label. was. I think you. Yeah, I think it was actually, Chris. Yeah, I think it was. And uh, we do use a short extract. We've obviously um, gained permission, had permission for a long time, 
to use a short extract from Portsmouth um, as, as one of my theme tunes. Well, let's have a listen to it in its glory uh, from great. Mike Oldfield. Let's have a listen to this. Ah, there you go, Mike Oldfield and Portsmouth here on the Express this week. You do all sorts of other stuff too, Chris, you're telling me off air. Uh, yes. Uh, we've recently taken on uh, the... Have you ever heard of the Pompey Pensioner? Yes, I have, yeah. It's a, They produce a magazine twice a year, um, and we've just taken that on. Uh, comes out uh, beginning of the year and the middle of the year. So that's gone out to... People, obviously, who have recently found they've had uh, sight difficulties, so uh, we've been approached, and um, so that's going out. Very interesting magazine it is, too. We do uh, four others. Uh, Women's Choice, which is uh, mainly for the ladies, but not exclusively, but get get quite a few blokes who like to listen to that. Um... There's another one, Out and About, which is uh, every two months, and that's basically articles relating to Hampshire and articles from any other part of the country, but mainly focused on Hampshire. Okay. Then there's Yesterday magazine, which more or less speaks for itself, covering anything but the present. (laughs) And uh, we also cover, we also do Navy News, uh, which is very popular throughout the country, uh, with naval veterans. So that can go anywhere. That can go to east, west, north, south, left, right, whatever. Well, so you have diversified, haven't you? Indeed, yes. Yeah. It started off with just the news, and there's, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it is... The focus is mainly about the local news. Yes. But um, these other ones are very popular. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in the, you know, the last sort of 12 months, I guess, uh, have been a bit awkward, haven't they? But you seem to buck the trend on this, I, I think, generally. It's, yeah, but, but by sheer coincidence, mm. because we've had to, because we've moved, in fact, we had to move in 2016 from our studio, which we lost, purpose-built studio, um, quite a large one in Stubbington Avenue. It's a long, it's a long history, I won't bore you with it. <laughs> um, but we had to leave it. Um, and then we had to, or well, we did find, temporary accommodation in a, in a business centre for seven or eight months. And then we ended up at the, well, four very happy years at the Stacey Centre in Walsall Road, Portsmouth. Uh, but because they are understandably having considerable difficulties because of you-know-what, yes. um, the, um, they offered us a new agreement they terminated our existing agreement, which they could do by giving us three months' notice. They offered us a new agreement, but it was, uh, I'm afraid, so draconian, uh, we couldn't possibly agree to it. So we then decided that the only alternative was to concentrate on doing everything from our homes, yeah. which is what we do. And that's actually worked, as you say, better for you? It's working extremely well. And it's, uh, well, personally, I think we are not... Let's put it this way, we're not in any hurry to get um, a studio office again. The way it's going, uh, we are quite happy, but uh, we're not making any predictions for the future. No, no. Because this is the thing, you are a charity too, aren't you? Completely, yes. 
we have to raise our own funds and um well that's it and that's yeah. quite difficult in itself isn't it well rattling tins these days is uh, not a particularly uh no fruitful activity no. No a longer. people don't carry cash and b with covid of course you can't go rattling tins no so we have to be very careful of the finances. Yeah, yeah. So that's difficult. And we, and we find we do save a lot of money by by doing um, everything from our homes. And, of course, the internet is fantastic because, well, every, everybody is connected. Yeah, yeah. So actually it works in your favour. Uh, well, some organisations might struggle, but actually for you, uh, it, it's helped. Oddly. Yeah, yes. It's, 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 it's quite bizarre, but it, it's, it's actually worked in our favour. You're, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. And what about volunteers? Because obviously at the moment it's, it's difficult to, to try and attract more people and new people to, to, to join something like this. Uh, but what, what, what's the situation of volunteers there, Chris? Well, we're, uh, we're, again, because people are working from their own homes, they aren't confined to, say, two or three hours on a particular day. They can pace their recordings or whatever else they do over whatever time span is best for them. Uh, I do I do recording, uh, so from my own experience, I might what I do what what I used to do in two or three hours in a studio, I can now spread over three, four, five days, and we find that we actually get more to put out. So. Um, we're okay for volunteers, but for the future, what we really, I think, will be needing are volunteers who are, A, good readers, but also have a bit of uh, te- technical savvy, <laughs> who, can, who can record at home and they yeah. can upload and uh, do, do all the other bits and pieces. And they can be any age too, can't they? Oh, any age, yes, absolutely. So yeah. if anyone wants to get involved or, you know, whatever age group they are, they can get involved and uh, all you've got to do is, obviously, if you can read the news. Uh, and read it, read it effectively, yes. Yeah. And, of course, obviously, commitment, timing. You know, we, we can't have people who just sort of want to come in for a, a short time and then go off again. Yeah. Unless it's by prior arrangement or something, because they've they've got something special to bring. But uh, it's, it, it would be good to have someone or people who are um, long-termers, if, yeah. if you like. Yeah, sure thing. Chris, look, if people want to find out more about Portsmouth Area Talking News, how can they do that? How can they go about it? Uh, right. Uh, there's our website, which is... And I've I did make a note of it, actually. I think I mislaid it, but it's... Uh, oh, oh. I guess if people just put, put in Portsmouth Area Talking News, it's, they'll find you. Yes, it's, it's uh, patn.org.uk. Sounds good to me. That's it. Sounds good to me, Chris, yeah. And they can find all the details on there, how to get involved, uh, and there's contact pages there. So and can... if they want to receive... Um, or want to apply to hear the news, they just go into our website, click on uh, recordings, and there's an application form there. Or, if they wish, they can give a telephone, they can ring uh, the following mobile number, 0770 
Fantastic. Chris, look, look good, good luck with it all. Uh, and uh, say hello to everyone there for us uh, from the Ports of Every Talking News. A sterling job they do as well. Keeping everyone up to date and uh, what's going on. Chris, tell us about your second bit of music from um, a group I haven't heard of before called Focus. Really? Yes, they were, they were, they were, they were very big in the 70s. Um, the original line-up was utterly fantastic. Um, Jan Ackerman on guitar, the Feast Band Lear on vocals, all classically tra- trained musicians who, who ventured into rock. <laughs> and um, in fact, one year, I think 73, Jan Ackerman was voted by a couple of um, uh, music papers as being the the best guitar player in the world. And once you hear him playing rock guitar, you'll know what I mean. Oh, well, well, we'll have a listen to that, Chris. Chris, thanks for coming on tonight. Do appreciate it. And uh, you, keep in touch Chris. with us, won't you? And it's always nice to, to come back to you and have a, a catch-up as we go through. Uh, but, thank, uh, thank you for inviting me. A pleasure. You look after yourself. Great. Look, regards to all there. Keep up the good work. Chris Golden here from Ports of the Area Talking News, our profile guest of the night. That's it for this week. Thanks to company. Talk to again for you next week. Same time, 7 to 9 o'clock with another roundup. What's going on across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire? Uh, on the show next week, we've got Richard Powell from the Portsmouth Harbour Marine Skills Survey. We'll be chatting to him. Uh, Abby Oakley from Solent Mines. We'll be chatting about uh, young people, children to stay connected. We'll talk about that. Um, Jan Short, she's been on before from the National Pensions uh, Convention. Talking about keeping digital, keeping in touch. Um, giving out free broadband, uh, broadband for, for the elderly. So we'll be chatting about that amongst our guests. Uh, next week, same time, 7 o'clock, 7 to 9 here at Express FM on Express this week. Uh, stay safe. Have a fabulous seven days. Look after yourselves. No night now.